You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 372, a somber episode after the Eagles got their asses kicked, (laughs) excuse my language, for the second straight week, this time to the hated Dallas Cowboys, of course, last week to the newly hated uh, San Francisco 49ers, 42-13, excuse me, 42-19, the 49ers, they lose 33-13 to the Cowboys, blown out in each of these last two games, the Eagles were. So thank you Mm. if you're still listening to the podcast. I know a lot of you tune out, both in terms of reading Eagles articles, listening to the Eagles podcasts. Uh, after losses, especially bad ones like this, to divisional rivals. So thank you if you're listening to this, sticking with us through the bad times. Before we get to all the uh, ugliness of what we're going to talk about <laughs> from the Eagles' bad loss to the Cowboys, Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land in advance of this uh, wonderful holiday season? For the second game in a row, Jimmy. I have it on good authority <laughs> that the Eagles did not have enough righteous felon craft jerky. <laughs> yeah, A crucial... Mistake. Eagles didn't make the correct adjustments. Maybe they can do that ahead of the Seahawks game. We'll see. But if the listeners want to get in on the Righteous Felon Craft Jerky action, they can do it by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You got 13 days here before Christmas arrives, but obviously you might want to get it before that. Um, Hanukkah is going on currently. Other holidays obviously happening around this time of year. So, uh, what better time than right now to go to RightToSellin.com and get yourself a perfect stocking stuffer or gift? Or they also have subscriptions at RightToSellin.com if you love it that much and you want to get it regularly. Or their their bundles, so which which I think is really the right way to do it in terms of you can get the bundle price, so you're already getting you know a discount on buying in bulk, and then you tack on the BGN15 discount code on top of that, and then you're really cooking there when it comes to a discount. So. You can do that at RighteousSellin.com. Discount code BGN15, 15% off your order. Same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com. Also, a great time of the year to spoil your pets or get something for your friend's pets. Why not get them some high-quality dog treats at WildRangerPet.com. Discount code BGN15, 15% off. Jimmy, Eagles lost again. How do you feel after this one? What's your take? They're clearly the third-best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a big gap, I think, between the 49ers and everyone else, and then there's the Cowboys. I don't think the gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles are, is that big. Um, they split, of course, this year. Um, the Eagles are playing very bad football uh, at the moment, and spe- especially on the defensive side of the ball. Offense wasn't good either, of course, but, uh, I mean, they didn't score any touchdowns on offense, so that's not great, uh, but the way the defense has been playing over these last two games, just unacceptable. The 10 straight scoring drives, over the last two games, just 
I mean, what are we doing defensively? Nine of those 10 were touchdowns. And in fact, there was a streak of seven straight touchdown drives that the Eagles faced. This is excluding, of course, the 49ers final drive. Yeah, meaningful in that game drives. Where yes. it, was, it, was, it was kneel downs. Um, but what's most alarming about that long stretch of consecutive scoring drives was that eight out of 10 of those were 75 yards or more. So it's not like there were, you know, these are short fields or anything like that. And, you know, a lot of these drives were also, you know, 10 plays or more. Just to count them up here, one, two, three, four, five, six of these drives were 10 or more plays. So, you know, some of the big, some of the, you know, some of them were big plays like Debo Samuel running through the Eagles defense on broken tackles and and that kind of thing. Uh, that's not good either. But just the way that um, San Francisco and Dallas methodically marched down the field against this Eagles defense, not good. And you add up all these plays and drives during those drives, you get 710 yards and 66 points on 90 plays during which Eagles defense, a little more than a speed bump uh, against those two teams, really alarming heading in. I mean, they still have four games, I guess, to get it figured out before the playoffs begin. But I mean, just a totally alarming uh, last couple of games by this Eagles defense. Is it fair to say I am not a homer? I think it's fair to say, sure. I think I ripped the Eagles when they deserve it, maybe even harsher than people would like. They've earned that reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm underreacting to this loss then. Like, if that's the really, I I don't, I I wrote an article on Sunday morning, and I'm not going to read it all again here because I just did that on the NFC's mixtape, which you can check out if you haven't listened to it already or whenever. I don't know when. Things are going to publish. I guess the mixtape comes out on Wednesday morning. This might be out before that, so you might have to wait for it. But there's an article on BGN. Every Eagles game, the day of the game, I always do like a little vibe check, how I'm feeling, kind of do a little prediction slash preview. Um, that's like, or I make my my official final pick for the game. I the first sentence is the Eagles are losing to the Cowboys. Like they, the Eagles were always losing that game. I don't think you're reading it right if you thought they were going to win that game. Now, can they be expected to play better? Of course. And I and I expected them to play better. I had them losing 33, which is what the Cowboys scored, funny enough, to 26. I had it being a more competitive game than it was. The Eagles only scored 13 points, didn't score an offensive touchdown. And I'm always a big, like, you can't tell people how to feel. I think just in life in general, for the most part, you can't really tell people how to feel. So I'm not going to try to say that people shouldn't be frustrated or anything, but I just think people really need to contextualize just how difficult of a stretch this has been. I mean, going into the six-game gauntlet, we laid out the expectations in terms of if they win four and two, that's really good. Guess what? That's still on the table now, in fairness. I did say that, you know, ideally you kind of ha- like you almost have to beat the Cowboys or the 49ers or it'd be really nice if you did. And they didn't do that. And not only didn't do it, but didn't look competitive in those games. So I get it. But just stepping back a little bit and considering, again, they could go four and two in this incredibly difficult stretch. And the fact that I had them at nine and four at this point in the year in my preseason win or, you know, when the schedule came out, win-loss prediction. So they're even a game better than I thought they would be. Like, I'm just, I'm not ready to crush them yet. I think it is anomalous in terms of how this rest disadvantage worked out for them. What other team has to play 
at a rest disadvantage against like three of the best teams in the NFL in three straight weeks. Like what other team has to do that? Now the Eagles have to do that. And not only rest disadvantage too, and let's even just take out the Bills game for a second. A mini buy, two straight teams of a mini buy, all while, and this now this part of this is the Eagles fault to be clear. The, the high snap count, and I have some numbers on this for you, Jimmy. The Eagles, in their first seven games of the season, uh, and I'm splitting it up like halfway through. Obviously, it's 13 games, so I can't find yeah, a perfect uh-huh. split. But their first seven games of the year this year, they were averaging uh, – where is it? I have it here. And I I lost the tw- – oh, here it is. Uh, first seven weeks. Boo. I know. I had it. I scrolled by it. <laughs> first seven weeks, Jimmy, 433 – this is on defense – 433 uh-huh. snaps on defense in the last six weeks, 462. They played 32 more snaps in one fewer game. So they were averaging 61.9 per game in the first seven weeks. They're at 77 mm-hmm. per game in the past six weeks. That's insane. That's, that's so many snaps. Now, again, part of that's their fault in terms of you want to talk about complimentary football complimentary football is the offense being able to stay mm-hmm. on the field so the defense doesn't have to continue to play snaps mm-hmm. and in, in some of these late game situations where the defense finally did get off the, the other team offense off the field and the eagles offense went three and out and couldn't stay on the field so some of it is absolutely on the offense obviously a lot of it is on the defense when they can't get stops they get to third down but they can't get any stops on third down our good friend Shil Kapadia tweeted out that you'll have the worst like sack conversion rate on third down, which is pathetic considering how much they invest in this pass rush. But I think mm-hmm. the reality is they're tired, and I think it's a vicious cycle. Some of it is bad luck, or some, sorry, some of it is deserved in terms of they're tired because they've done things where they aren't getting out to big enough leads or they're not getting the stops to get off the field. But at some point, it's a vicious cycle of like, well, you can't get off the field because you're tired. So I think they're in a really like uniquely bad stretch and I'm not trying to just make it an excuse because again I think there is fault uh, they're at fault for some of it but part of it is bad luck and people don't like to acknowledge that because someone everyone wants someone fired and you want to figure out how to fix it and no one is happy with a solution that says you just kind of got to wait it out and wait for things to normalize a little bit and let them get back to a little bit more of a normal schedule and I think they could be a different team more more of the team that they were prior to these two games and I think there's enough track record to say they're they're better than they were the past two weeks. They're, they were probably worse than the 10 and one team, but they're probably better than the 0 and two team. Um, so that's my long monologue on the state of this team. I think it's very frustrating. I expected them to lose though, to the Cowboys. And I think if they lose down now, now if they lose to the Seahawks, if they lose down the stretch here, that's when it's time to really criticize this team and push the panic button but I think people are getting a little too ahead of themselves and just crushing this team. Yeah. So I'm with you on the overreaction part. Um, you have the guy outside the Novacare complex. Now, like last week goes the run the ball guy this week. It's a guy with a sign that says fire Sean Desai. And then there's, he's got two trash cans out there. One of them is labeled James Bradbury, because of course that's what uh, Debo Samuel called him. He called him trash. And then the other trash can said something about Darius. No Slay. play exactly Slay. said, Oh, no play Slay. Okay. And uh, Slay Darius made Slay. that his Twitter picture. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that out of uh, out of Slay. Um, you have people on Twitter saying Nick Sirianni should be fired. Nick Sirianni could – I think it's – I think he could lose like 10 straight games and he'd still be – like he'd still have a, a better career winning percentage than Andy Reid <laughs> in, his, in his Eagles career. So like 
uh, you know, I can understand, I can understand the criticisms of Sean Desai with the way the defense has played recently. I kind of get that, but like, settle down. It's like they're 10 and three. And, you know, I, like, I'm with you that, that the overreactions are maybe a little, a little much. Uh, certainly they've played terribly the last two games and deserve, you know, copious heaps of, of criticism, like no question about it, but fire Nick Sirianni. And then these calls for like, for the, the higher Frank Reich. Have anyone, has anyone been paying attention? What, what has happened in Frank Reich's career over the last two years? He's got fired in season each of the last two years by teams that are going to have really he high became the first NFL coach um, in, or sorry, coach, first head coach in NFL history to get fired in back-to-back seasons. <laughs> oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, he gets fired by the Colts last year when they were a total mess. They hired Jeff Saturday of all people uh, to, to, to take over from, they didn't even have like a good like rest of the season option when they fired him. And then this year, of course the Panthers are one and whatever they are uh, when they fired him. Actually, they're not going to have a. I said teams that are going to have high draft picks. They won't have a high draft mm. because they traded to the right. Bears. Whatever. Um, but Frank Reich, like, um, not the, like the, I, I saw. I saw a headline that said he's going to like. You got to hire him to save the season. Really? <laughs> like, a, any coach is going to save a season, much less a guy that was fired in the season the last few years. So, like, I get that people like Frank Reich. He was here when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You always point out like how bad he was as a head coach thereafter, and the notion that he should have been given all the credit instead of <laughs> Doug Peterson was asinine, and I'm certainly with you on that. But like some of the the outrageous opinions that come out of losses sometimes are, I mean they're fun they're funny to watch, <laughs> but like uh, they're also kind of like settle down. Like okay, they they played horribly the last two games. They still have four games to figure it out. So I'm with you. Like you know. Uh, Things good things can still happen this season. Certainly looks right now mm-hmm. that they're not going to be in the Super Bowl. And I would, if you know, you're going to ask me right now, are the Eagles going to be in the Super Bowl? They're going to win the Super Bowl. No, would be my answer. Like they're probably not going to be in the Super Bowl. I would bet on the 49ers being in the Super Bowl. And if they're not, would. I would bet on the Cowboys being in the Super Bowl. I'd put the Eagles third in the NFC at this point. So, um, you know, but things can change. They can turn things around potentially in Seattle this week. And then they have that three-game stretch to kind of get right uh, against the Giants, Cardinals, and, and, and Giants. So you know we'll see what happens. But uh, right now, you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna get a lot of heat. This yeah, week, no question. And I'm not it. saying they shouldn't get heat. I'm just saying I think the heat has to be like within a scope. Some like you just it can't just you can't be just fire everyone after every loss. Like that's just we're very reductive and it's just it's boring. It's not really interesting to say, and it's just I just think it lacks perspective. Um, there's a very real chance this team still wins 14 games. To me, the last time a team won 13 games in the regular season after going to the Super Bowl and losing, you know, it's always tough for the Super Bowl loser mm-hmm. to have a good season. 1999. Like, it's been a very long time to do what they've already done right. and are in still in position to do. They still might be the one seed. Obviously, they don't control that, but there's a chance the 49ers drop a game here. I asked stats when we had stats on the NFC East mixtape last week. I'm like, do you think the 49ers went out? And he's like, no. I don't think they, I think they're going to drop a game. You, you thought either like the Ravens game, obviously that'll be tough for them or potentially mm-hmm. the Rams game. I think they play Rams are playing better in the finale yeah. and the Rams are going to need that game potentially to make the playoffs. So like, and you know, I think the 49ers are good enough that they can win out, but again, yeah, I don't think it's a lock. I think they could drop a game and um, the Cowboys have a tough stretch here. Oh, first of all, even though the Cowboys are technically in first in the NFC East right now, the Eagles 
control their own destiny with it, the division. And if they win out, they'll be the the first repeat division champions since 2004. Like I go back to what I've said throughout the year in terms of, I think people entered this season with a little bit unrealistic expectations. And mm-hmm. now to be fair, you know, you and I both had them winning the Super Bowl. Um, so I don't think it's fair to hold them to a high standard, but I mean, just in, in terms of historical context, like it's just very hard. It's very hard to get back there. So the fact that they didn't, to me, isn't this massive failure that warrants sweeping changes in the whole organization. And look, I'm pretty disappointed with Nick Sirianni, I have to say, in terms of like recently. I don't think he's giving this team an edge right now. They've had these slow starts. I think he's fair game for a lot of criticism. Again, like I was saying to RJ on the mixtape, I get a little worry of worry of blaming coaches because they're just easy targets and no one ever wants to blame the players. And look, in this game against the Cowboys, did the offense score a touchdown? No, that's a big failure. They moved the ball well. That's not nothing. Like the offense was not a total joke. They had they they averaged six point two yards per play. That's better than Mm -hmm. the Cowboys, who are at five point three. Now you don't win the game or get an award for that. But I mean, am I worried about AJ Brown fumbling the first time he did all year again? Devontae Smith the third time in his career again. I am worried about Jalen Hurts turning the ball over because he hasn't been yeah. great about that this year. Um, but I think this offense can get back on track. I don't think you need to fire Brian Johnson like everyone wants him to be fired. And honestly, again, part of my Brian Johnson defense this year, and I think other people have certainly said this too uh, in terms of the people who have put it in perspective with him, it's Nick Sirianni's offense. He is the head coach. He is the one who put together the play sheet that Brian Johnson is calling from. And a lot of the issues that people have with the Seagulls offense in terms of like, it's very simple or long developing plays or no answers against the blitz. Those were issues last year too. This isn't as simple mm-hmm. as like, well, Shane Steichen was awesome and Brian Johnson sucks. No, like Sirianni is a big part of this and I don't think he's been good enough. So I think he deserves a lot of the blame that's going on. I think a lot of people do. Sean Desai, you mentioned, I don't think Jalen Hurts was, he wasn't like the reason they lost to the Cowboys, but he also, I think you could have asked him to play better. He obviously didn't get help in some situations, but was he? This is an A plus game from him. I don't think so, and that's been an issue the past two weeks. He got outplayed by Brock Purdy. He got outplayed by Dak Prescott. That's an issue. Nick Sirianni got outcoached by Kyle Shanahan and Mike McCarthy. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier too. By the way, on uh, the on the pass rush with uh, what I know that she'll put something out on the sack conversion rate. Yeah, I was saying on third down, what, what they have the that? worst on third sack down? down third. They have the worst third down sack conversion rate in the NFL. Mm. And obviously I don't think that's just on the pass rush. You know, you know, the coverage has been an issue, but I also think right now the pass rush hasn't been good enough. I saw a stat from pro football focus today that the Eagles ranked 12th in pressure rate, you know, which pressure rates a little bit subjective, but still like that's not yeah. good enough. Like, this is this is yeah. This needs to be like a top five kind of pressure rate team. Well, I think it might. I think the the like the sixty thousand foot view is that there's too much burden on the pass sure. rush. So you watch this last game. Hassan Reddick had a couple sacks. Fletcher Cox had a strip sack. It gets returned yeah. for a touchdown by Jalen Carter, and yet like the defensive line really didn't play that well in this game and. You know, I think for the most part, Dak Prescott had, you know, plenty of time to throw and they didn't do a a very good job early anyway, uh, stopping Mm -hmm. the Cowboys rushing attack. And when the defensive line doesn't play great, like the back end has they like 
they, they haven't picked up the slack. Like they just don't make enough plays on the back end to, to, you know, cover for the defensive line. That's usually very good. Mm-hmm. Also of note is the last four games when this defensive line has kind of gone like Josh sweat in particular has gone cold. So like Hassan Raddick has still, you know, gotten a lot of pressure and, and gotten QB hits and sacks and whatever. Josh Sweat doesn't have a sack in the last four games. And he was frustrated about that, you know, in the locker room after the game. Um, but they've also been behind in all four of these last four games for the most part against the Chiefs, Bills, um, uh, 49ers, mm-hmm. and and Cowboys. Like, they had to come back against and, and win against the, the Chiefs and the Bills. And then, of course, they got blown out <laughs> in each of these last two games. So, you know, it's a lot easier to rush the passer when you have a lead. Uh, as opposed to when you don't. So I think that's been a factor as well. I am not really worried all that much about the pass rush. I think they're going to be fine, but mm. a lot of circumstances have not really gone their way where they could eat, whereas normally they can. I guess my concern with them, and Shane Half brought this up in the post game show, I believe, was like, have the Eagles hit a point of no return when it comes to being the fatigue? I do think it can get better. But like how much of it has already taken its toll? It's something to wonder about more than there's a definitive answer. We'll obviously see how it plays out. Um, you know, Zach Berman had pointed this out last week going into the Cowboys game. Last season, Jimmy, Josh Sweat played 587 snaps the whole season mm-hmm. in 2022. Played all 16 games. Rest. Oh, he's got to be over that by now. He's at 676. Oh, <laughs> already in, in the three fewer games played. <laughs> And that's that's the highest of his career. His previous high was 655 in 2021. So he's already played 21 Mm -hmm. more snaps than his career high. Like, so part of it's just, again, like they're just playing. So you, I like the way you framed it. You said you kind of were talking more philosophically in terms of um, defense counting the team, counting too much on their edge rushers in terms of Mm -hmm. the the impact they need to make, but also just literally in terms of how much they're playing those guys. Like there's not enough of a rotation. And, I think you have to knock like not having better depth there. Um, like this might this is gonna sound crazy, but um, like <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I almost like wish Robert Quinn was on this team, not because he's not gonna do anything, but almost because <laughs> like I think just having someone who they could trust to play snaps could make the, the starters more effective because then they're actually you know what I mean. Like they're not so dead tired. It's not that I want Robert Quinn on the field. It's that I want a fuller force version of Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick on the field when they're playing. Again, that's not an actual case to sign Robert Quinn. You have to find an option that's better than that. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that they probably should have gotten Nolan Smith's feet wet I, a little more early, early in the season. 100%. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And that's, look, that is also another philosophical kind of conversation, like this coaching staff not trusting rookies enough and that's not unique to this coaching staff because that was a big issue especially towards later on in the doug peterson era too we had talked about that um and that's kind of an issue with coaching philosophy in general because coaches are so locked in on winning the game they're not locked in on developing a player they have to win each week they're not they care about doing the whatever it takes to maximize that week they're not thinking about well if we play nolan smith now in week two he might be a better version of himself in week 16 like they don't think that's not how coaches are incentivized to think but i think you're right yeah and then you know like i mentioned on the back end they just can't depend on on those guys to make plays and one thing that really i think was alarming about uh this game was actually before the game on espn like during the pregame shows 
I forget who it was. I was watching ESPN, and they, they said that James Bradbury had said that the game plan was going to be simplified. And I was like, I don't remember him saying. Where did they get that from? And then uh, after the game, you know, all the players kind of confirmed that the game plan was was very much simplified. Darius Slay said, "Here's the, here's the quote. Uh, it was simple for sure. When you make it simple, you can play faster. Simple communication in and out, line up and play ball. All right, so fine, that's great. Like <laughs> I, uh, I'm fine with that philosophy, but at the same time." Their starters are old as hell. So, like, Darius Slay is 33. Bradbury just turned 30 in August. So did Kevin Byer, turned 30 in August. Uh, Bradley Roby, uh, what's he, 31, Mm -hmm. I think? Those four guys have 37 years of NFL experience. It's four of your five starters, 37 years combined of of NFL experience. And then Reed Blankenship, who I think, you know, we all kind of think of as, you know, like a a safety who who tends to be in the right places, uh, and, yes. you know, doesn't have like extreme athletic ability, but, it, you know, is a solid enough player because he knows where he needs to be. That's like not a quintet of defensive back, starting defensive backs that you think would need to have the game plan simplified for them. Now, it's fair to mention, of course, that Kevin Byard and Bradley Roby were in season additions to the team, but it's not rocket science. Like, you know, they're, they're not doing anything that complicated as it is. So to simplify an already simple offense, in fact, like during those pregame shows, Alex Smith, the former quarterback for the chiefs, commanders, et cetera. Like he was kind of laughing at the notion that they're going to simplify it. It's like, simplify what? Like it's a, it's already a very simple defense as it is. And so I don't know the the idea that they had to quote unquote, simplify the defense when they have so many, you know, a lot of rookies played in this game too. We should, we should note that Keely Ringo played 22 <laughs> snaps, only played one like in his entire, you know, rookie season so far. Uh, Cindy Brown was out there quite a bit. Yeah, good. Eli Ricks was out there. So, so they do have young players mixing in, but they're not starters. Like they're, they're playing in sub packages. So again, like, I don't know. I think it's alarming to me that you have to simplify the defense when you have this level of veteran experience in December. That's a fair point. And it kind of reminded me, I forgot to bring up. Yeah. In addition to all these snaps taking a toll, you have older players like that. So that's not ideal either. It's not like you have a young team taking all these snaps. And I think it needs to be said, he just played a long season last year. They played three extra games because they went to the Super Bowl. That takes a toll. We saw it, how that took a toll mm-hmm. on the 2018 Eagles, where there were like so many injuries that carried over yeah. into that season. Um, again, it's not that it's an excuse, but it's just it's another like contributing factor and exacerbating how exhausted. I think this team is exhausted. I think not just physically, which certainly they are, but also mentally. Also, just like the weight of having to play the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys. Like that's that has to take a big toll. There's no like, oh, yeah. phew, we're playing, you know, the Cardinals this week or <laughs> right. the, the Panthers this week. Like, yeah, like it's just like, no, it's like every week, huge high stakes. It's literally like, I think, an unprecedented stretch of games in terms of difficulty. And again, it is what it is. Um I don't want to make too many excuses, but I just think it needs to be acknowledged. It's not irrelevant. It's not like a non-factor. It certainly is a factor. It is contributing to it. Um, and the, and the quarterbacks, like not just those teams, like you got Dak Prescott twice, who I yep. think most people would probably have him as the leader in the clubhouse for right. the MVP. He's the odds-on you have, favorite. You have Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, and you mm-hmm. have, I, don't, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't put Brock Purdy in the category with he's, those guys. He's also but, literally in the MVP conversation. <laughs> Yeah, but and, right, and and a perfect fit for the for the offense that that team has. So I mean, they they've played five, well, four legit quarterbacks in five games, like mm-hmm. great quarterbacks for for you know the, for what their systems are. 
And yeah, especially relative, like who's who name the top five quarterbacks the Cowboys have played this year. Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah. So far, I'm not Brock, saying Brock who Purdy. they will play. Brock Purdy. Okay, lost. Um, I, I don't know the rest Justin of Herbert, I yeah. guess, but okay. That team sucks. <laughs> like who else? Who else is? You know what I mean? That's my point. Like, they, yeah. Like, we're singing the Cowboys praises and to be fair, they've earned that, but also like who have they played? They've not played like no one, no, everyone's comparing it as if they played identical schedules. They haven't, they just have had this very tough schedule. And again, the way it's condensed too, I think is absolutely relevant. If these games are spread out, I think that changes the equation to have it to go back to back to like to have it stacked like that. That's fair. And I think, they have Josh um, Allen and, and Tua coming up in the sure, next two games, exactly. And 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 then and then but, Jared Goff. Who's, but my who's point with that is, like, yeah. Then let's let's have a conversation then and see like what the comparison looks like then after the and if right, they right. cross that stretch, then credit to them. But if it looks like similar to the Eagles, it's like hmm, it's almost like the schedule is a relevant factor here in assessing these teams. Um, all right, why don't we take a break here before we get into more of the podcast? Um, Jimmy, send us to break. Yeah, well, why don't we talk about wrong crowd real quick? Well, uh, if you're... it's never a wrong, uh, the wrong time to talk about wrong crowd. <laughs> yeah, wrong crowd beer, you can order from them, wrongcrowdbeer.com, or stop in to see them in Westchester, PA. Great little town, great little place, good place to watch a game, as Brandon and I yes. did uh, a couple Thursdays ago. Watch the uh, Seahawks actually give the, the Cowboys a game on Thursday night football. But great time there. Uh, my favorite beer was the Boost Boserbub. Boserbub? Boserbub? Yep. I don't know. Whatever. It was a German Pilsner. It's awesome. And Brandon's was like a strawberry, strawberry milkshake, milkshake beer. What's IPA. It? Okay. It's their first anniversary ale. I still haven't had that yet. I got I to gotta pop in and get It's a good can, too. I always like a good can. You know what I mean? And that's they do okay. that. They do a good job of that. Because sometimes, you know, you go to a place, you're like, I don't know. Like, which beer am I going to get? You don't necessarily know. That that can looks fun. I'll try that one. Wrong crowd does a good job with that. <laughs> yeah, their marketing department is uh, is very good. Uh, but yeah, good times there. Great beer. Uh, again, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Brandon, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy. What else you got? Yeah, I mean. Um, the offense obviously wasn't much better in this game. They, as you as you mentioned, like they did move the ball. They got into the Cowboys. They got past the Cowboys' thirty-five yard line five times, and obviously all they had to show for it was was the six points. Um, that hurts. That the Hurts fumble, devastating. Honestly, like early in that yeah. game, set the tone for what Agreed. was going to happen I, I throughout think that's the rest so of important. that game. Yes, you're so right about that. Like it's not just like oh, a fumble you can overcome it. It's like you're in Dallas, you're reeling, you have this bad loss, and really, like, if you match them, you're feeling great. You're like, all right, match their drive, boom, it's a shootout, let's go. Right. You fumble there, and you're like, oh, no. And yep. everyone instantly is on their heels and not feeling good. Yeah. And then, boom, right down the field. <laughs> For Did they get a field goal? Did the Cowboys get a field goal? In the There's a field goal after that? that, yes. Yeah, so they're down right off the bat, 10-0. Ten, ten mm-hmm. And uh, when it could have been even seven, game. Seven, Seven three, whatever. I mean, they they were. I think he fumbled right at the edge of the red zone. I think like he fumbled at the twenty one. Or well, the 20 they got itself. to the they got to the twenty one, and then yeah. uh, AJ Brown had that bad offensive pass interference penalty. They got set back, and then yeah, I think Hertz ran back to the that twenty one. Yeah, then fumbled yeah, right yeah. There. Yeah, that offensive uh, that that OPI was bad. 
But like a terrible AJ Brown game, man. Like he had nine for <laughs> yes. ninety three, whatever. Like, but like awful game between that yeah. mistake and the fumble, and he lost the ball for um what would have been like a big completion down to like goal to go ter- goal to go territory or so. Devonte obviously as well. Like that's why like. Are you really worried about like your star players, your star receivers, like having like, you know, these disaster games? No, I'm not. Really bad block, by the way, too, against the 49ers. Probably should be pointed out. That's I don't, true. I don't remember if we called that out or not in the last podcast. So. But inside the red zone, they ran a little outside. I, I remember now that, now that I'm talking about it, I remember talking about it before, but I may as well keep going in case you didn't hear it the first time. But like it was a run to the outside by DeAndre Swift to the left. They're inside the 10. And just basically no effort block by, by A.J. Brown. Guy got right around him and was able to kind of steer DeAndre Swift out of bounds. So, like, A.J. Brown, star receiver, was basically their offense uh, earlier in the season this year when he, I mean, he's, what do you have? Like, what was, what was the number? Was it 125 yards? Uh, Six straight. That he had? Yeah. Was, was 125 the number? Yes. So... I mean, even after games, like Jason, I remember after one of the games, I forget which one, like we were asking him about, like, um, you know, how, you know, how do you think the offense is playing? He's like, well, AJ Brown is the offense right now, <laughs> so like, uh, and he was, uh, mm-hmm. so like, AJ Brown deserves all the credit that you know he deserves, but I mean, some of the little things that he's done the last few games, uh, not great, and you know, I think somebody should get on him uh, inside the building and and. Um, you know, make sure that he knows that the little things are important too. Mm-hmm. And obviously he can't fumble, but I thought that hurt again, just getting back to the, what I was talking about there, the, the hurts fumble early on was really a killer. Yeah. And you can't fumble three times against, you know, this Cowboys team. They did that week nine. They actually fumbled three times, but they're fortunate not to lose any of them. Mm-hmm. And this game, they lost all three and not that that was the difference in this game. They probably lose this game even without those fumbles. Uh, it's probably a lot closer, obviously, but, um, can't do that. You just, I mean, you can't, you can't lose three fumbles in a game. It's just, there's, there's no way to win games when you do that. Um, the Hurts thing, I, I said it to RJ, it was like, it's weird to parse after a game like that because I think he was not obviously terrible, but I also think he could have been better. And I don't think he's seeing the field well right now. I think that's apparent. And, you know, obviously there's a level of play design that goes into this, that, and apparently, you know, I don't know if you saw the thing from Derek Gunn about like an Eagles player was saying to him that, you know, feeling like frustrated, offense predictable, um, routes Uh-oh. taking too long to develop. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, maybe Alshon is back. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think there's levels of truth to that. But and again, obviously, Hertz was hurt by the Devante and. Um, AJ fumbles. He was also hurt by yeah AJ not making that catch. It was right in his hands too. The one where it was a tough catch because he you know he was looking over his left shoulder. Then he had to look back right. So he kind of I think he lost track of the ball. Uh, indoor stadium too with all the the lights and whatnot. Had a Don, Donnell Pumphrey moment where he lost it in the lights. Um, <laughs> um, but still you know you expect more. I did think by the way, what did you make of that play where Hertz threw it into the end zone to the Avante? Everyone was calling that a drop. I thought that was like a little too far out in front just not in a, in a way that's like a terrible throw i just thought yeah yeah so uh i don't think you could awkward, have caught that there was an awkward moment with Devonte smith in the locker room after the game um so he was already being interviewed by like three or four reporters and then i came up 
and he was really quiet. Like mm-hmm. I had never, I've never seen him like this in the locker room. And before. he's pretty I mean, quiet. He had, he had <laughs> I'm, no, but I mean, I, he had very little to say. Right. Um, not that he has a lot to say normally. That's, what, I mean, well, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, usually he doesn't have a lot to say. So if he's really quiet, then you would notice it. I mean, we're like, he was getting asked a question and he would sit there for like five seconds before answering. Yeah. So, well, this uh, is probably the worst I, game of his career, right? Like he was. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had a bad one earlier this year too. Was it the in Jets, Washington? Yeah, a couple of drops. Or was it? The, yeah. Okay. That's, that's right. Yeah. And, but after that game, he was like, and with like colorful, colorful language, <laughs> it's basically like I sucked in that game. I, mm-hmm. you know, you can't drop the football. This game, he wasn't. It wasn't like that. Uh, but like you, yeah. But, but this wasn't you know one of his best games. He had the fumble, obviously. But on that play, so I went up and I asked him about that play. I said, you know, what happened on that play was that a play where you felt like you should have had that ball, or was it just a little bit out of your reach? And then he like there was again there was like the long pause after I asked asked him that, and he and he goes uh, and he goes. Yeah, I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> so, so, okay. And then like, you That's know, a couple, crazy more, for him. a couple more questions were, were asked. And then like, I, you know, I left, I sort of left that scrum and after I left that scrum, I think it was Sealski or maybe, um, maybe Marcus, uh, came up and was like, yeah, he got, he got asked that question, like right before you went up. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So we'd already, but he, so we already gotten asked that question by Olivier, uh, Reiner. Mm-hmm. And he had the same answer the first time. Uh, so I did the thing where I, you know, roll it up and I asked yeah, uh, an obvious question. But I don't know. But anyway, he so he answered that question twice the same way. Anyway, my takeaway on that was that he felt that ball was out of reach. And he I didn't agree. want to That's what it looked like he, to me. People were saying it's a drop. I was like, he couldn't have caught it. Like, so I feel – so he has um, – Didn't hit he, him in the hands. He has consistently taken blame for – his own faults when Agreed. he like when he is messed up. Yes. So if if that were a drop, he'd have said it was a drop. Yes. But when he said I, I don't want to answer that, I think right. that meant that meant to me that the ball is just a little bit out of his reach. And then also in Jalen Hurts' press conference, he said his throw was off by a few inches on that play. So he he said that he I missed agree. misfired on that. Again, it wasn't by much, right. but he said that he misfired. Yeah, it was that. an egregious missed throw. But I saw people like saying that was a drop by Devontae after that play, and I was like I don't think so. I didn't look like it hit his hands to me. In any case, um, uh, I think we've got so like that's a play where we would expect wide receivers of yesteryear to like never make that play. But because Devontae Smith and AJ Brown are awesome and we've seen them make phenomenal plays over the last two years, we sort of expect them. We sort of expect the phenomenal out of them. Mm -hmm. And then we don't when we don't see it, we're like, drop. (laughs) <laughs> so like uh yeah I, I think I I'm with you. I think that that throw is just a little bit out of reach, not a drop. But what do you make of Hertz's game in in total? Cuz I did see this near awards that you kind of felt like he left some meat on the bone potentially. Yeah, so there was one play in particular that watching live from the press box and I think it's a like just judging a quarterback's performance right after a game is over is a little tricky um because I think it does kind of take a little bit of I mean, sometimes you can just tell if a quarterback freaking sucks like in a game or or you can tell if a quarterback is, you know, on fire or whatever. But there's, you know, games that are in between like last week against the 49ers. Like his numbers look good, but you kind of see that something was off and we could see, you know, watching the all 22 or whatever that he just wasn't seeing the field all that well. Mm. There's a lot of analysis out there about that uh, after that game. And then in this game, again, I haven't rewatched it yet, so I don't totally know. But the one play that I remember standing out was A.J. Brown ran a post route. 
And to me, from the press box, and they didn't show this on the live feed of like the on like the regular TV feed. It looked to me like he got wide open, not wide open, but open. There was a play to be made down the field to him on a post route. On the rewatch, or not again, I didn't rewatch the whole game yet, but I went right to where that play happened and watched it, and he wasn't as open as I thought he was okay. when I first saw it live uh, on the field. So um, I don't know. I got to rewatch the game and, and see like if he was really seeing the field well or not. Again, they moved the ball fine. They just had the mm-hmm. three bad turnovers that took points off the board. So I'm less concerned about the performance that he had against the Cowboys than I was uh, on the one that he had against the 49ers. But um, I didn't think – like I, I also thought he made a lot of – pretty nice plays uh, in that game on Sunday night too. I, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say Joan Hurts stinks now. <laughs> like, I think that, you know, very clearly there are a bunch of quarterbacks that are having better seasons than him. Like he's out of the MVP conversation very mm-hmm. clearly at this point, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that like he had a, had a terrible game. Um, again, I got to rewatch it, but um yeah, I, I don't. I think some of the over, I think some of the reactions to the way that he played are are a little over the top so far. Okay, um, my thing that's annoying me. I think that's fair. My thing that's annoying me. There are times where he is seeing the field well and just isn't throwing to certain people. Mm. That's, yeah, that's an fair. issue. That's a big time issue. I don't want to hear that. Well, it's Jack Stoll. You, you're gonna trust. If guess what? If there's a a, a player <laughs> who's wide open. The defense would love for you to not throw to that guy. They want you to not throw to the wide open guy. I don't care who it is. And I'm not saying, obviously, like you got to funnel targets to your lesser guys. But the fact that, and I think there's some offensive, you know, scheme stuff going on with this too. I don't think it's just Hurts. But the fact that he only threw to Goddard, AJ, and Devante in this game. And again, I want to be clear. Yes, those guys should get the majority of the targets. Use your best players. I've said that in the past too, where I think they've gotten a little too cute with touches for other guys. But it shouldn't be like zero. Like why twenty-seven Giannis... targets between the twenty-seven between AJ yeah. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, and also only one four for, for Goddard. one for Zacchaeus, but right. that came from Braden Mann, who's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, Braden Mann's been great. Um, but yeah, like why is DeAndre Swift not getting any targets all of a sudden? Like why isn't he a factor when he's been good, especially on like some of those angle routes and whatnot? Um, Alameda Zacchaeus, again, not a guy you want to force feed, but to his credit, whenever he's been targeted this year, he's produced. Yeah. Meanwhile, Quez Watkins is still playing more snaps than, than him, even though in his last since week, I think 11 or week 12 of the, the 2022 season, Quez Watkins is averaging 7.5 uh, yards per game, I think. So great. Glad to have him playing a ton of snaps when you have OZ like literally being productive anytime the ball is thrown his way. Um, yeah. Julio Jones is here for some reason. That's part of why, by the way, not to make it all about this, but like... <clears throat> Talk, and you know, I don't know if Zach Ertz wants to sign with the Eagles. I don't think he does. I don't think he's going to get enough targets for what he wants. Um, but like part of the reason I want the Eagles to sign Zach Ertz is because I know that's a guy Jalen Hurts will actually throw the ball right. to. He has he actually trusts that guy. It's it's like I just don't think it's acceptable to be like, well, he doesn't have to throw to Jack Stoll or Albert O if they're open. And obviously Albert O had that drop, so you know, not great. But mm-hmm. like if guys are getting open, they can't just not throw to him because they're not Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. Or Dallas Goddard, like you have to use the whole field. And I almost wonder, It's I don't want to make this definitive conclusion, but remember like a big criticism of Carson Wentz, like only throws to Ertz? Like, I, I wonder if like, <laughs> Jalen is a little too locked in 
on certain guys sometimes and not totally seeing everything and not considering everyone. And um, like, that's a great thing that Nick Foles did to bring Nick Foles into it. Like Nick Foles would always spread the ball around. Like that's part of the, I thought part of the reasons um, when he was at operating, obviously as peak efficiency, what made him so good. He was willing to li- literally throw to anyone at any point in the field. And that yeah, made it hard, he was harder to defend because he's willing to throw yep. to every option. And if Hertz is only going to throw to three options, well that, that also makes your offense easier to defend. Yeah. I mean, the Albert O drop that Brandon's referring to was in the 49ers game. And, um, yeah, Hertz in that game sort of infamously had Jack Stoll running wide open down the field, didn't pull the trigger. Had uh Alberto on what's I guess they call it a Seattle route, but like a fifteen yard out route uh on a play where, you know, they had um you know receivers at three different levels, um, with uh Stoll in the flat, AJ running a, a deep route, and then Alberto running an out, a fifteen yard out. Didn't pull the bad snap on that play, but didn't didn't pull the trigger on a on a wide open Alberto. So like on the one hand, I kind of get it. Like if you watch Quez Watkins just week after week, mm. not capitalize on plays that are, you know, there to be made, you know, maybe you're going to stop throwing to that guy. Uh, last year, you know, caused some interceptions because he didn't run good routes this year, you know, has a, has a deep ball come his way underthrown, but maybe could have come back and, and caused contact and, and drew a, you know, DPI call. Maybe that's asking too much. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, you mentioned the Alberto drop. Uh, Jack Stoll certainly isn't gonna, you know, make any big plays for you. Although I think he's been solid as a receiver. Like he's yes. been fine. If you throw him the ball, he's gonna catch it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can kind of understand. <laughs> Not maybe the answer is they need more more players who can make, who can at least be competent. But on your point that OZ makes the plays that that come his way, mm-hmm. I think that's very fair. Like we saw him and Jalen Hurts, like he should feel confident throwing to him with the play that he made uh, against the bills. Right. Just kind of mossing a guy yeah. in the back of the end zone. Yeah. You, you know I mean, how many designed it. targets that OZ has on offense in the past three games designed targets on offense. Zero. You mean like where he's like the first read well, where he is thrown to on offense and, and it's not like an out of clearly out of structure. Oh, okay. Play. Right. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. yeah. None. Right, and two of those games where Goddard didn't play. Yeah, like why? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, my know. last thing on that is that, um, yeah, like I just no one's about no one is reasonably going to criticize Hertz though if he throws to one of those guys and they're wide open. To be clear, I'm not saying like contested catch. I'm saying if they're literally just wide open and if they drop it, no one's going to criticize Hertz at that point. They're not going to be why did you throw it to that guy? If if they make the mistake and they're wide open, I can live with that. I'm not going to criticize Hertz for that. At least I can promise on my end. There's, there's no criticism to be had if he's throwing to a wide open lesser yeah. player and they just can't catch it. Then that's all, obviously on the player. It's on Hertz for throwing to the wrong guy. I just think that's an issue. I think the issue, the, the offense is easier to defend in part because he's not using the full options that he has. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's talk run game. We should take like, another break before we do oh, because okay. we're <clears throat> 45 minutes in. Um, before we do, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors? Yes, you can reach her at 856-906-9295. Why would you try to reach her at that number? Well, you can call or text her at that number if you're looking to buy or sell your home. Kristen Roach, killing it lately. Going on lots of a bad mm. real estate market, kind of, right now. At least for buyers, for sellers, it's a phenomenal market. Um so, you know, if you're looking to get like just if you just want an idea of how much your home would possibly sell for, 
call her up. Boom. It doesn't mean you have to put your house on the market or anything like that, but just get an idea of, you know, what you could, what it might fetch on this very good seller's market. She'll let you know. She'll, she'll give you some free of charge, some home right? comps. Free of charge. Not going to charge you for anything like that. Um, again, 856-906-9295. Voted on by God, by the way, as the best realtor in the history of the universe. So, I mean, tells you all I need to know about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Give her a call or text. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy you wanted to talk about the Eagles run game. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people bemoaned the lack of Eagles run game against uh, the 49ers, obviously completely ineffective in the first half of that game. Game script got out of hand in the second half. Uh, didn't make sense to run the ball when you're down three scores. Um, this game, I thought they tried to run the ball and mm-hmm. they were a little better, I guess, than they were <laughs> against the 49ers. <laughs> I mean, they, at one point they had run 32 plays, and this is like deep into the third quarter, mm-hmm. and they had 16 passes and 16 runs. Not enough. And they, 32 runs. <laughs> That's what we need. And, you know, as we saw, they got their asses kicked in that game. And, you know, normally you're not going to be balanced when you're when you're getting your ass kicked. Uh, but the, the three backs combined for... Uh, I don't have the number here, but mm. all right. Let me. Just, I'll take a step back. <laughs> I can pull two that up. two of the Eagles' best runs in this game were on the drive right before the end of the first half. Okay, so they have the ball at the twenty five. Mm-hmm. They do this all the time, by the way, and I think sometimes it works. It's not going to like. I don't think the the right time to do it is when there's only twenty seconds left. But they they ran the ball on first down with Swift, and he got seven yards. And I think what they do normally in those end of first half situations is they'll run it first just to give themselves an easy down and distance because, you know, opposing defense is like they're not going to have the they're, it's going to be a light box right. that you're getting there. So you're going you're gonna to get positive yards, yards in the run yes. game. And then at that point, you can like if you get nothing, then you just shut it down. You go into the half. If you get a decent gain, then you take shots down the field. They got seven on that run. OK, fine. And then. The incomplete pass on second down. So at that point, now they're just going into the half. Mm-hmm. They give it to Kenny Gainwell. He gets 11 yards. Okay. So you take out that seven yard gain and you take out that 11 yard gain by mm-hmm. Gainwell. And the Eagles backs combined for 16 carries for 58 yards and obviously no touchdowns, but it's 3.6 yards per carry. So, you know, not very efficient. Mm. That's a, better than it was last week when the backs had nine carries for 20 yards. 2.2 yards per carry run game's broken right now. Yeah. Like it's just not, it, and I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I think the scheme um, isn't, I think it's, I think the run games become predictable. And then I also think like the left side of their line, we've not seen them dominate, uh, you know, move guys against their will. Like we've kind of become accustomed to, to, to seeing them do mm-hmm. like Landon Dickerson and, and Jordan Mailata are, you know, kind of beloved in Philly and rightfully so like they're really good players and the Eagles pass pro 
has been outstanding this year. I mean, in this, in this game, they gave up one sack to a really good, you know, Cowboys pass rush in a game where they were kicking their asses and they can just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. And they still only gave up one sack in this game. And mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts had plenty of time to throw. So certainly I don't mean to criticize, you know, the Eagles offensive line heavily here, but those guys just really haven't gotten the push uh, in the run game that they did all of last year during the second half of 2021. And uh, at times earlier this season, we just haven't seen much of that uh, in like the last month or two. I think it's fair. You want to, you know, boil the Eagles issues down as a team. Trenches aren't good enough. Like, right. They're not. Yeah. Oh, I mean, last year, like (laughs) last year there, they won the battle in the trenches in almost every matchup the entire season. And then this year it's, you know, kind of been, could go either way. It's and, and certainly the last two games they they lost in the trends. And there are more stuff. factors than that, but it's just like you're talking about. You want Frank Reich? You want this person fired? We know it would fix everything. Be better in the trenches, or at least it would yeah. go a long way towards fixing it and making at least you know maybe you're not guaranteeing a win. But I mean, it is pathetic. And again, there were some weird circumstances here that the team moved the ball well, didn't score. But like you had zero touchdowns in a game where you had Jalen Hurts and the entire starting offensive line like play the entire game other than a couple garbage time snaps at the end. That's, mm-hmm. that's embarrassing. That's a failure. You can't score zero touchdowns in that situation. Um, so that was pathetic. When you talked about the run game being broken, like this isn't the biggest thing, but it's such like a weird thing to me. And it, 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 it's not about what actually happened as much as I'm, I'm what is the decision making process? Like what, what's going on here? Boston Scott took the first carry of this game. He, he ran for like four yards. Okay, whatever, you know, good carry. He doesn't touch the ball again, and he doesn't even play the entire game again on offense <laughs> until the final two game or final two snaps in garbage time. Right, right. What like what what is that? I I don't understand. Like, I don't I don't understand. The same kind of thing made me think about when Eagles are down ten points to the Cowboys at halftime in the the Philly game in Week Nine. <laughs> Rashad Penny, who's a healthy scratch the entire year. <laughs> <laughs> gets two carries for four yard, uh, uh, eight yards total. Like good, yeah. That's a good. And that's it. Doesn't play again. Yeah. But like, what? <laughs> yeah. like, what is, I don't understand. What? Who is making that call? What is like the thought process behind that decision? Like it just so it feels so random. Is my point. It's like there's right. no. I don't see the order to it. So it just kind of makes me to extrapolate that and like talk about a bigger point. Like it just makes me wonder. Like what is the process here? Like what is how is how are these decisions being made? Who's making this call? And like why and when it's just I'm it's so confusing to me I don't understand it. Yeah, let's put Boston out there, give him a carry, and then Dan Quinn will be like, "Oh crap, I got to throw out my entire game plan and come up with something different." It's we so weren't weird. expecting him back there. And I, I, I want Boston Scott playing a little bit. I want him having a role, but I, like, why is he the first? I don't have a problem with him being the first guy, but I don't understand why he's the first guy and then doesn't play again. Like, what's? I agree, it's weird. What's yeah. the point of that? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't, it's just bizarre. It's it's really strange. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just I don't know. I don't know. Befuddling. It's bad necessarily, but yeah, I, I don't know what the answer. Right. To that I'm not even saying either. it's terrible. Yeah. Well, it is. It seems like it might be bad just because it's there's no clear process. I'd be curious what the reason is. I know that we would never get a straight answer if we right. asked. Yeah, that's not worth like you can ask it, but you're not going to get the actual answer. Yeah, we like to mix our guys in. Blah blah blah. But I just don't understand it. I, it makes no sense to me. Uh, what else from this game, Jimmy? Um, let's hand out some uh, accolades. So <laughs> you mentioned 
uh, I think I saw you mention this anyway on Twitter. And Fletcher Cox has played really well. Yeah. And I thought he had, I thought he played really well in this game. And then, you know, just a minute ago, you said Braid Man's been really good. And he has. And yes. The special teams in this game, uh, you know, first of all, that Cowboys kicker, man, is he an upgrade from hmm. Yips McGee last year. <laughs> like, he couldn't hit a PAT to save his life uh, at the end of the season and in the playoffs. That guy's awesome, man. Like, he hit. 60 yarder 59 yarder uh anyway i'm getting off track here that's but another example of the cowboys like uh kind of <laughs> falling into a great situation yeah, right. that they have with their quarterbacks like they have these plans it's like this is our guy and then the guy struggles or gets hurt trayvon Diggs gets hurt it's like oh they're gonna be worse deron bland breaks the record for picks it's like what is this like yeah obviously some of that's deserved in terms of scouting and whatnot but some of it the the degree to what some of the hits are like this is like this crazy luck yeah, um, it's funny how that way. I mean, the big did you? I'm sure you said I lost you there for a second. But I'm sure you mentioned Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott yeah, when they Dak, fell on him in the um, foot. Yeah, Drew Bledsoe, Tony <laughs> they, Romo. They, like they literally tried to. First of all, they tried to trade up for Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. and or they they. I don't know if they were going to trade up for him, but they were going to take him at four if he right. was still there. And the Eagles, you know, jumped him uh, before the draft before the draft began, and then they really wanted Paxton Lynch. And they tried their asses off to get him, hmm. but the Broncos offered more to whoever they traded up with, and uh, they wound up with him instead. And then they tried to get the Michigan State guy. Connor Cook. Connor Cook. Thank you. Uh, but the Raiders took him, and then they were like, all right, fine. We'll take Dak in the fourth round. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, he winds up being the best of those four by a mile. Um, anyway, uh, getting back to the Eagles special teams, Braden Mann's been really good. Uh, they finally have a legit punter. Don't have to worry about getting a punter this offseason. That's their guy going forward. And Jake Elliott, of course, hits another 50-plus yard field goal uh, in addition to, I think, a a 40-something yarder that was on the longer end of the 40s, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Uh, but again, he you know he he nails both field goal attempts that, that he had. Um, fake, fake punt worked. Michael Clay's killing it this year. So he is. last year it was like, last year it was like, the offense is great. The defense is great. Special teams are terrible. This year, it's like, special teams are awesome. The other two, eh, not so sure about. If only you could take the 2023 special teams unit and put that <laughs> with you know last year's team, they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> right. They do. They win, they win the Super Bowl. Um, Braden Mann has a way better punt than he doesn't mess up the punt like Aaron Sipas does. And um, boom, there you go. But uh, <clears throat> on Fletcher Cox, yeah, definitely – you know, we want to talk about things we were wrong about. At least I'll speak for myself here. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I didn't think they should they should have signed him for ten million this offseason. Same. I thought I thought he was done, and he's played a lot of snaps in his career. And my whole thing with him was like, okay, he had seven sacks last year. But like, how many plays do you remember him making? Remember, like, what the Washington game when they played Carson Wentz the first time? But like, everyone had a sack, or like that was a big yeah, game yeah, for the entire defensive yeah. line. Like where, where when did he have like a signature play last year? I can't. I really don't remember any off the top of my head. This year he's had multiple. He's had a ton. He had a huge sequence in this game where I think they converted anyway. But he did his part with he drew a holding penalty and then he batted a pass on back to back plays to get you know the Cowboys to third down like yeah. by himself basically or or second down whatever was the holding penalty. Um, also at the strip sack, and also, I mean like he's toughing it out too. 
because we saw how slowly Cox was walking off the field in what the Bills game, and he was able to play yeah. like against the 49ers. Didn't make a difference, but he was able. He didn't even practice leading up to the Niners game, which is very rare for a player to not practice at all and actually play in the game. So um, credit to, to Fletcher Cox. I mean, he was like one of the only dudes who showed up in Dallas, really. So and he, like, he was like one of the only guys who looked like he actually really wanted to win that game. So, yeah, all the respect in the world to Fletcher Cox. He's had a, a really nice season, I think, for where he's at. He's been a very important player on this team. And I thought that, you know, he, he was sending a message in the locker room after the game when he said, like, yep. it's time to find out who the dudes are. And, you know, a lot of what players say after the game is, you know, it is what it is. You can't just make the most of it. Um, but I mean, I think that's point. That's when they're at their most honest. Uh, that's when they're at their most honest, by the way. Like that's the yeah. best time to talk to players is right after the game. And like, otherwise yes. they're, they're coached up on like <laughs> what they need to say. And then they're also just not emotional in those right. moments. So you're getting pure unfiltered honesty after the game. And I, I think that's what we saw from Fletch. And I don't game. think that's pointed at a specific player, but it's pointed at the team. It's like, he might have some dudes in mind who he's thinking of. Yeah. I don't know, but like it, it is a call out. He's calling out the team. He's he's and he deserves to, he just, he has earned the, you know, the credit to he's earned, he's built up the, the cachet to be, be able to do that with how he's played in his career. And also like recently. So good, good for him. Good for him for saying that and challenging the team being like, you know, it's going to be telling who does and doesn't step up down the stretch here. So I, I think that was a really good thing that he stepped up in in like that's leadership in part is mm-hmm. is um obviously you know you have to do the right things and say the right things behind doors but sometimes you need to you need to say it to the media too because then it's like hey this isn't just behind closed doors. i'm like i'm putting every, like everyone on blast like everyone sees this everyone is seeing what i'm saying here and everyone's gonna notice the dudes that don't step up so mm-hmm. you better step up so yeah I, I think fletcher cox deserves a lot of credit for both his on the field performance and his leadership as well Four sacks this year, by the way, for him. So stats don't always tell the, the story. Like he's been yeah. way better this year than he was last year. Again, like you mentioned, when he had seven. Yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was, I thought he was just getting like pushed around at times last year, especially in, in the run game. Just like was not a factor. Um, and obviously, the run defense is kind of struggling right now. It's not just him. I think that that is a lot of the defense being tired. I think they're just in on the same juice that they did. All right. Anything else to me? Nah, I think that about covers it. Um, well, I want to talk know. about their playoff outlook. If you okay, will. sure. So okay, we as I said previously, they can win the division if they just win out, regardless of what the Cowboys do. Now the Cowboys have some more challenging games in theory coming up here. They play in Buffalo this week. They're two and a half point underdogs in mm-hmm. that game, as of the most recent line I saw from DraftKings Sportsbook. So you know maybe they drop a game, at least one. It's possible. If not, they go to play the Dolphins in Miami next week. So, you know. Yeah. I think they'll be uh, underdogs in that one, too. Yeah, I think so. I well, think that might be like a pick em or like a plus or like, you know, either either way. Minus one. Like a Dolphins. minus one. But it could be it could go either way on that. Um, There's not a lot of pick It's usually minus one one way or the other. Uh, both of those games very interesting. <laughs> Obviously, I think the Bills are better than the Dolphins. I think sure. the Bills. Here's a hot take: the Bills are the best team in the AFC over the Ravens. Yep. I. I mean, again, I'm a guy who says you have to look up Lamar's playoff stats before you can tell me like the Ravens are definitely going to the Super Bowl or anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's unfair from that perspective. 
I mean, I think the, you know, the Ravens have been the better regular season team to be clear, but um, if you're talking about projecting Super Bowl outlook, yeah, I think it's fair to put the bills up there with the Ravens. Although you know it's kind of funny about the, the way this on season, the way the season has unfolded before the season began, you know, we could look at both conferences and go, the AFC is way freaking better than the NFC. And now after 14 weeks, I think the two best teams in the league, at least right now, uh, are in the NFC in the 49ers and the Cowboys. And then the Eagles are kind of like right there. I mean, the Eagles have beaten yeah. the Chiefs, the Bills, the Dolphins. They haven't played the Ravens, of course. Um, Jaguars, <laughs> Bengals lost their quarterback. You can go down the line. I think the AFC as a whole mm-hmm. is probably better than the NFC because the NFC has way more terrible teams. NFC is more top heavy. Than, than the AFC does. But yeah, the, the NFC has the has like the best teams. Three of the best four, I think you would. They're gonna have they're gonna have some bad teams. Like there's gonna be some bad teams that make the playoffs in the NFC where there yes. won't be No. There might be like a bad team, maybe two that make it in the AFC if I don't think so though. weirdly. It should it should only be one. Like it could be either the Bengals or the Colts or the Steelers that get in. And there might be a really good team good. that doesn't make the playoffs in the if the Bills don't make the playoffs, which is right. possible. That's entirely possible, by the way. Yes. Um you're saying they're the best you're saying they're right. the best so, team in the so AFC. They might not the, even make I think the playoffs. That, I think they're the best team in the AFC. Also, they might not make the playoffs. So there you go. That's the <laughs> NFL. Thing it's weird. Yes. Crazy things happen. <laughs> uh yeah. So I think I do think the Cowboys are gonna drop one game here. I really do. I don't know, you know, for sure, but I think they're gonna drop a game um in one of their final four. Uh, who do they play after the Bills? And then they're home. It's at Bills, at Dolphins, Lions at home. Right. Lions and don't look as scary as they not don't, scary, but, but that's if as you're talking about did. that three game stretch, it feels like they could lose one of those three. Yeah. And then, you know, in Washington, that team sucks out loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think what that what that game does is it makes their playoff run a little harder. So if somehow the Cowboys, somehow like the Eagles pull this out and they at least win the division, Cowboys are now the five seed. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're on the road the first week of the playoffs. So you go from road game week 18 Mm -hmm. against the commanders, which they'll probably be playing that game. Like they're not going to rest starters for that game. That that game will probably be still, that, that game will probably still be meaningful. So they're playing hard in that game. Wild card round going to be on the road divisional round. Almost certainly going to be on the road if they get that far. NFC Championship game, you know, almost again, almost certainly going to be on the road if they mm-hmm. get that far. They, I mean, if they get the five seed, they they have a very unlikely path to the Super Bowl if they have to play four straight road games to get there. Speaking of uh, home and away, like that's another and they're reason. Also, like they've won fifteen straight home games and they're bad on grass, right? <laughs> uh, but another reason why I just was so confident in the Cowboys winning and covering against the Eagles was that Cowboys had played that was their third straight home game. They didn't even even have to leave Dallas in a long time. So like that that's even more of a rest advantage. Like yep. they didn't even have to get on a plane. Yep. They're just chilling at home yep. for three straight weeks against a team that's playing a rest disadvantage for three straight weeks. That's a big mismatch anyway. Yeah. Not to belabor the point like I already have. So uh I think the Cowboys drop one. Therefore, I don't even think the Eagles necessarily need to win out to win the NFC East. Now they probably I think, you know, are going to have to win out to win the one seed because, you know, 
you don't think I don't think the 49ers they might not even lose a game but they're definitely I don't think they're gonna lose they two probably games. won't lose two I'm with you there be yeah. pretty shocking so um you know I think 4-0 obviously definitely gets you the east because of the Eagles being in control and the tiebreaker and whatnot um and then so you know you're probably looking at two seed there um in the most realistic scenario uh again because I think the 49ers um I think they might drop one, but I think the Eagles, it's possible the Eagles drop one too. We'll see. Giants are looking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, fun. so like if you look like, so I, I made this point, sorry to cut you off there, but I made this point in the, um, in the power ranking roundup or no, no, no. And sorry, my, my hierarchy thing. Uh, so I looked at the ESPN, uh, sorry, I'm just pulling it up here. The ESPN projected like win percentages over the next four games for the Eagles and they have, okay. So they have at Seahawks 57.6% likely to win mm-hmm. giants, 86.6 Cardinals, 81.3 giants, 85.7. Okay. So they're over 80% in each of those last three games and they're at 58, 57, whatever you want to call it against the Seahawks. So if you do the statistics and probability math on that, mm-hmm. chance that they win all four of those games. Now you can quibble with those percentage, like those percentage likelihood of winning each of those games. Like you might say 81% feels a little low for the Cardinals. I don't know. I don't know if it's low or high or whatever. Um, You can maybe quibble with the Seahawks. Maybe you think they have a better than 57% chance of beating that team. I don't know. But if you just use those percentages that I don't think they're unrealistic, like it's a 35% chance that they win all four of them. So Likely they drop one of them. Yeah. Um, it does feel like, now I'm thinking about it, these are probably going to have to play meaningful football in week 18, right? Because I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I gonna... mean, they would, if, if they won out to that point and the Niners lost two mm-hmm. right. and the Cowboys lost at least one, then yeah, I think they could take that game off. That's a better question probably for Denise. Right, Selman. but I'm saying I think the 49ers might drop one at most. So therefore, you know, you need to right. You can't if they only drop one, you need to play that game. Yes, right. So I think that's probably the most likely. Which they'd be happy to do because then they get a buy thereafter. Sure, (laughs) you Uh, know, so they'd still get that buy anyway. Assuming they can get it done, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Will be interesting, yeah, to see how it shakes out here. Really interested to see how the Cowboys do against these tougher teams, especially because. They have not typically done well against them. The Eagles are the best team they've beaten, and again, they had a very significant rest advantage over the Eagles while that happened. So it's a factor in there. Um, All right. But you and I will be back later this week to preview the Seahawks matchup, which I'm interested to talk about. Interested to also Mm -hmm. get a bit more clarity in terms of is Dino actually playing in this game? Because it's weird. Right. Because Schefter came out with that report on Sunday morning. I believe it was him. That was like, this might be kind of like a two week injury for Dino, but he never actually said like he's, actually in jeopardy of missing the Eagles game. It seemed like the reporting was a little bit more optimistic. He might be able to play, especially because it got pushed back to Monday instead of Sunday. But it was weird at the same time because it was like, well, he's a game time decision. He might play against the 49ers, but also it's a two-week injury. It's like, well, which one of those <laughs> is it? Because those It are... felt a lot like they knew full well he wasn't going to play in that game. I agree. I think that was always the and case. And there, there was the gamesmanship. Nonsense that, you know, coaches love to do. So 
we'll see if it's Gino or not. Um, Even if he does play, you probably can't count on him being 100%. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's worth noting. And he didn't look great the last time he was healthy, by the way, in terms mm-hmm. of like the end of the game, the end of that Cowboys game. He was very much uh, est the bed, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, OK. Any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is kind of funny. Um, so after the game. We were in the locker room uh, and you know, the locker room session was kind of winding down and, um, you know, all the major players had already spoken or whatever. And uh, so, so sorry, just to take a step back here real quick. In the Eagles locker room at the Novacare complex, Hassan Reddick has like this super comfortable looking beanbag chair mm. that <laughs> that he has like in his locker. And oftentimes he's just laying on this thing. It's got like you know, these like armrests on it and like an ottoman that goes with it to put his feet up. And this thing just looks crazy comfortable. And I had asked him months ago, like, what was that? Like, what was the brand name of that specific beanbag chair? Because I was going to get it for, uh, hopefully my daughter isn't listening to this. I don't think she ever listens to any of my episodes, any of our episodes of this podcast, uh, much less an hour and 10 minutes into (laughs) it or wherever we're at right now. Um, So I think it's safe to say what she's going to get for Christmas. (laughs) But like, I had asked him what brand it was. Um. So that I could get it that for for Christmas. Anyway, after these guys had all talked, I'm like, uh, hey, Hassan, uh, sorry, I just got one question for you. <laughs> and like, he was just done talking. Like, he didn't want to talk to anyone else. He had uh-huh. already probably talked for a while. And he looked like kind of like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want to talk, but uh, I think he likes me. <laughs> so he's like, okay. I'm like, that beanbag chair at the Novacare Complex, what's that called again? <laughs> They they just like they just got their asses kicked by two by two teams straight, and he's you know probably expecting some like you know question about the pass rush or blah 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 blah. I'm like, hey, what's that beanbag chair called again that you have? <laughs> so, so he's like, it's called Moon Pod. So anyway, a little free uh little free uh thing for Moon Pod Moon there. Pod. I guess I'm gonna. Look I went, that up. I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I kind of I feel like I want this. I went ahead and I I bought that bad boy. With all the accessories too, so it's like you can get it with like the kind of piecemeal. Like there's just the regular beanbag chair, and then you can also get it's called the crescent. That's like the armrest thing that like it's it's this armrest slash like pillow, I guess. Like yeah. it, like it's a, it's a looks like a crescent. Like mm. You put your, rest your head on it, but it also comes around like uh on your like on, on like all the way down the side of your body, and you can use it as an armrest. And then there's an ottoman that, again, like I said, that you can put your feet up on. And uh, I found it, like, and they're a little expensive, but bought that bad boy up today, and uh, it should be in time for Christmas. Again, Krista, please, uh, I hope you didn't hear this. Mm. Eh, doesn't matter. <laughs> sure, you know, she's getting a bike, too. Like, wow. we, we picked we picked it out together. So, uh, yeah, pretty fruitful uh, Christmas for her with a bike and a sweet beanbag chair. 300 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's looks... just for the base part too. Oh, so yeah. like the the add-ons, like the crescent thing and then the ottoman, they're you know, they're they're not that much, but they're they're pricey accessories too. I had a beanbag growing up, used to, you know, in my room. Like the beanbag. Okay. I think it's a fun time. Sure. I'm t- let me know let me know how that goes, experiencing it in person. 
Okay. I want to. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him laying on this thing in the locker room, and he looks like the most comfortable human on the it planet. It looks pretty comfortable yeah, every time. Every time I see him laying on that thing. So, but yeah, once uh, once it gets here, I don't know what the packaging will be. So, if I I'll open it, like maybe I'll open it up and I'll have it set up and I'll have a blanket over it mm. as kind of the surprise, as opposed to her just seeing like opening a box and seeing. Maybe I'll have it all ready to go. There you go. That's that's I like how you're plan. figuring this out on air. And I, I'll, t- I'll lay on it. I'll test it out, and I'll, I'll report back. Probably won't be here by the next pod, but maybe on the Eagles Seahawks reaction mm. pod, I'll give you an update on how comfortable that thing is. Excited to hear about it. Um, <laughs> it looks comfortable. I think people. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, and to be clear, I'm looping myself into this. I think people can be guilty of like not doing things enough for their own comfort. Like I had this person I knew who was like, "Yeah, I have this bad bed." I'm like, "Get a new bed!" Like, don't. Yeah, don't. right. You're spe- you're spending, you know, six to ten hours of your life right. on it. What's every point? night? Like, this isn't this is not the place to save money. I mean, obviously, yes. I'm not saying like everyone, you know, everyone has different income, different you know means of spending. Mm-hmm. If you can't afford it, I get it. I'm not saying like spend beyond your means, but I'm saying if you can afford it. Do not choose this as the thing to save money on. Like, yes, that's a dumb correct. place to try to save money. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, everyone. My point is, in a more positive, nice way, as opposed to criticism, is everyone like take care of yourself. Like, do something nice for yourself. It's not a. Don't feel bad. You don't have to feel bad about doing some nice things for yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't really spend. I'm not a big spender. Like if, but if I want something, I get it. But like my bed Flex. is awesome. My. Like my desk setup because I spend a lot of time sitting right. at my desk. Like I have a sweet monitor. Like I have like my I've desk setup yeah. is, is is pretty nice. So like there's I have that and then I have the bed. Like if I'm gonna spend a lot of time, you know, in uh, you know doing something, then yeah, I'm gonna have something nice. To I mean, I'm you of course, yeah. And then you can skimp elsewhere, but right. Uh, but yeah, bed for sure is is one of those things. Have a good bed. That frustrates can. me. Or like also like when someone, you know, if if you really love like, let's say, um, I don't know, pick a band. If you really love them, like go see them, yeah. get, good, get good seats too. Like if you really, yep. if this is like your favorite band, you don't need to be like, oh, I'll get the cheap seats. Like, again, obviously what you can afford, but if it's like For your sure. favorite band, you don't need to compromise on like your most favorite experience. Like go all out. Right. Like that's the time. A that, little. Like there are times to hit like send, full send. And that's, uh, that's the time. So that's our message here is, you know, live life. To its fullest. Live it up. That's what I say. Okay. Um, again, we'll be back with you later this week. I think we're aiming for Friday early morning record. So, you know, pod will be out some point after that. Eagles playing on Monday. So, you know, the week gets shifted a little bit instead of your normal, like the game prep starts on Wednesday. Um, you know, you get the injury reports Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I got the injury reports Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So pushed back a little bit. But um, we'll be here to preview that Seahawks game and and really see if the Eagles are truly like you know about to fall apart or if they stabilize a little bit here. So we will see. Uh, check out all of our sponsors in the episode description and our social media handles as well. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out all the other great shows we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N